Howdy. This is Vosh. You may know me from the YouTube channel, Vosh, where I livestream. Most of it's garbage, but sometimes the good bits get uploaded here. This is Previously Live. So, yeah, I think I sent you... There were, there were two things I wanted to talk about tonight, and I didn't know if you wanted me to reference them because they're kind of old, but the one was about um, a tweet, which sounds not, not serious. I mean, I don't think it is to an extent. And another is about, um, I guess, a video you linked that I think both fundamentally it, you're sort of, uh, you have a similar problem where you're basically responding to criticism and and saying to an extent that you don't understand why people, uh, I guess, are postured against you. Well, yeah, I I um, I remember literally nothing about the specifics of this, so you're going to have to fill me in. Uh, please do so with great enthusiasm. Uh, don't feel like you're patronizing to me. I just have a terrible memory. Hit me up. In what way yeah, yeah. am I stupid? Oh, no, I wouldn't say stupid. I think we're actually fundamentally on the same team, but I think maybe you're just missing something from your from your knowledge base. So one of them is about this this tweet. Yeah, it's you're talking about. I just sent it to you in in uh, Discord. You're talking about the um, the decline in sex among men and uh, how it's a serious sociological problem, and you got a lot of criticism for this and i don't think you quite understood why people were criticizing you i think people are criticizing you because your framing of the problem doesn't make sense from a leftist or progressive perspective with respect to sex or how we address the fact that men are lonely in the united states uh, so in what way do you believe it's not being addressed properly well, so I'm I'm a person who does believe that there there are leftist perspectives on loneliness among men in the United States, and I would say you know two two of the top issues facing men are probably or I guess we could do three. Um, one of them could be uh, basically the the culture that we indoctrinate indoctrinate men into. Um, the second one would probably be the prison industrial complex. And the third one is just capitalism itself and the way it atomizes our life. So I think one way you could approach this problem is you could say, uh, you know, we don't have very much public transit in the United States and transportation has been highly financialized and individualized. And because of that, you just see less people on your day. Uh, you have like less of a chance to make friends and you're more lonely. But it's not exactly the framing you take. And I'm kind of curious about how you perceive this and what your feelings are um, and what you specifically mean by your framing where you uh, say it's not just a men's problem, it's a progressive problem and we all need to address it. Because I think that, basically I think that language makes people really nervous because um, if you're talking about capitalism, okay, but if you're talking about toxic masculinity, there's a history of men making, managing their emotions, women's problem or like something else for women to, uh, I guess, uh, 
deal with. And I would say it's probably not progressive to make toxic masculinity women's problem. I think it's more progressive for men just to handle it themselves. If that makes sense. Um, well, I think I think your framing is part of the issue because it's not a men's or a woman's problem, right? It's a social problem. Framing it as a men's problem in this way kind of makes it seem as though like the social standards that lead to men experiencing problems associated with toxic masculinity are this like personal thing that you overcome, which I, I think is like a very liberal way of thinking about these things, right? I think it's better to think about it I don't, I don't think a... it's personal. I think maybe if I said that, I'm sorry, I misstated my viewpoint, but I would just say like toxic masculinity, if we're gonna talk specifically about that, it's a, it's a male, um, basically socialization problem and, and a mindset and culture problem. And I do believe 100% that that is a problem that men should deal with. Just like racism isn't a problem for, you know, black people to so to solve or Latino people to solve or, or whatever. Um, I don't think toxic masculinity is a problem that women should be, should have to feel involved in or there should be pressure on them to solve it. But it's a problem that all of us have to solve. Um, none of us get to escape the consequences of social standards regarding gender. All of us have the ability to contribute positively. So like, for example, there are women who make this a lot worse when they do stuff like expect men to pay for their dates, or they'll make fun of guys for being weak or short, you know? Those are standards by which women worsen these issues. I don't think it makes that much sense to go about it with like, a, well, it's men's responsibility or women's responsibility to solve these issues because at the end of the day, these are standards all of us believe in and all of us adhere to. So all of us should work to address them, right? Um, for instance, like you, you could never get rid of toxic masculinity if guys were just sitting and working on the problem, but all women were into like super misogynistic giga chads who treated them like shit, you know? Because that would socially disincentivize any kind of real work of the behavior. It needs to be like a, you know, kind of like a communal effort to address these issues. So, with respect to women's behavior that is contributing to toxic masculinity, I would say that um, maybe like in the broadest sense, it's, it's worth saying that that's a problem but it seems a little bit like focusing on the the yard browning while the house is on fire there's a serious problem in the male community especially when you look at some of the sort of patriarchal and toxic systems that we involve ourselves in with indoctrinating each other with sexist and hateful uh you know like homophobic, uh, anti-social behaviors. And yeah, I agree. Okay. You know, women might contribute that, to that a little, but is that really the, the heart of, of like what keeps toxic masculinity flowing through the, the veins of American men? Well, the heart of it is that it's a communal thing. Um, which is why I would never say like, this is like any men's or whatever. Um, like we know this because we wouldn't do this in minority groups, right? For instance, there are specific issues with like black, black toxic masculinity or black homophobia. I don't think it would ever be fair to tell a gay person like, oh, you can't say anything about it because this is like the problem for black people to solve or whatever. I didn't say that women can't say anything about toxic masculinity. It's, it's actually this frame. It's, I have a problem with this framing and I think I'm not saying it actually because I think I can convince you or anything like that. I think that would be pretty narcissistic. 
I actually thought maybe I could help you understand why people have a problem with your framing. Well, if I, that makes sense. I think, I mean, I, I think the reason why they tend to is because they're cucks. That's my framework. You know, I, I stand by that, I think. Um, it's okay, not so, so much... you think the reason oh, that they have wait, problem hold on. with you your just, framing... Wait, wait, your microphone just shifted. Was that intentional or was that a computer issue? Your mic just changed. Is it working still? Oh, there you go. Okay, for a moment, it sounded like you were using a mic that was way closer up. Um, yeah, okay, sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you <laughs> off. I'm sorry about that. I just I just got a new computer. It's all... It, it might have little hiccups. But, I, I get um, that, yeah. So... Reason that people have the problem with your framing is because they derive sexual pleasure from watching people have sex with their significant other. Um, possibly, but no, I, I, I didn't, I didn't mean it in a literal way. Uh, when I, when I say like, I think they're being cucks about it. What I really mean is like, I think some people, um, I guess you might call it like the politics of sensitivity. I feel like some people are really, really, really concerned with the optics or like the the um the implied politics of like well maybe men have problems too a lot of the negative response that i got were let's be clear just people really offended by the idea of treating men's problems seriously a lot of people were just really like like kind of taken aback by the idea that men should have their problems be taken seriously and I think that, that I don't think that's I don't think that's true, honestly. No, I, I no, I there could, were I could be a wrong. lot of people being really be weird about that, you know, like really, really weird. But like what I see so I see leftists talking about prison in the prison industrial complex a lot as um a men's issue. Um No, I'm sorry, that's probably not the, the direction I want to bring it in. I so I think the problem with the framing maybe is that there. So, uh, do you do you accept the idea that people can use coded language to communicate something more than than they they need to, even if they're they're not aware that they're using coded language? Like, if I'm in a social group and somebody's talking about their boyfriend or something, and they they say. Oh, you know, I just hate men. Uh, that has a very different meaning than if you switch the genders around and the man says, I hate women. No, I, I disagree. I think it'd be just the same. If a guy was in a support group and he'd been fucked over by a shitty girlfriend and he was like... No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, like, you're in your group of friends, uh, a girl's talking about a breakup or whatever, and another woman says, like, man, men just suck, I hate men. And the social impact of that statement is different than if you were in the same group, but a man's complaining about his girlfriend, and another man says, women just suck, I hate women. No, I don't think those are different. Why don't you think they're different? Well, you know, even, look, we, we, we live in a society. I mean, in both cases, men and women, especially heterosexual men and women, are going to have varied and oftentimes negative experiences with each other. Um, and it's going to... Um, you know, people are going to express that frustration with behavior like, oh, women or oh, men or whatever. But I think that's normal, you know? I think it's okay for a woman to do it. I think it's okay for a guy to do it. I just don't think that it should, like, substantially inform your political biases, you know? At that point, like, you've got you've got another issue, you know? Um, but there, there's some 
there's information being delivered in that statement. I mean, I don't want to go too far down this road, but there's information being delivered in that statement that's be beyond what what maybe is in the literal dictionary definition of the terms. Um, like a more a more extreme example is if like. Uh, let's let's pick a different example. Like, I think there, if somebody said "girl from LA," what kind of like maybe what are some some pictures that come up in your head? Do you mind if we play this game for just a little bit? Probably like um, vapid Instagram model. Okay, so what what do you think if someone said like "white girl from LA"? Um, probably vapid instagram model who likes starbucks probably pretty much the same thing i think um when okay. i think when i think girl from la la has some like serious race issues when it comes to like redlining so when i think like girl from la i think the girls near where i grew up in la and a lot of them were like prissy white girls you know yeah okay great so um what if somebody said like mexican girl from la um short with a fat ass not so much the instagram type because a lot of the mexicans in los angeles are either first-generation immigrants or the descendants of first-generation immigrants and are too poor to be locked into the same social um, uh, social groups as the aforementioned white girls. Okay, I think that this is, this is all I mean by coded language is that um, we have pictures in our head. I think a lot of times when you say, like, girl from L.A. or white girl from L.A., people think, like, valley girl or, like, Instagram model. But... Uh, if you change the race, it conjures up a different picture in your head because there's societal context for that. I yeah, guess in I this race, it's, it's like, it's heritage. And that's all I mean about the statement of like coded language of someone saying like, oh, I hate men or versus like, oh, I hate women. Is that there is some extra meaning there, whether intentional or not, about uh, what what could be the the meaning behind that statement. Like when a woman says... I hate men. You don't have to immediately uh, like worry that much about their their misogyny or whether it's like a social threat or there might be some bias there because it's just not something that's it's very common. No, I I, dis I disagree fully. Actually, the real difference here isn't whether or not there's that implicit message or that bigotry. The real question is: is that bigotry socially meaningful? Now, I would absolutely concede that misogyny against women is way more of a social problem than misandry against men. I would fully agree with that. But in an interpersonal situation, you know, I don't, I think like sort of casually saying, oh, I hate women and oh, I hate men are essentially the same statement. There are tons of women who hate men. The only difference is that we don't have like an institutional bias towards uh, misandry the way we do misogyny. But I don't think that means that the underlying statements have changed with regards to their, um, their, their like meaning. You know, then now we're just okay, talking okay, consequentially, like where the harm lies. Fair enough, but um, maybe maybe that was just a bad example. It's kind of it's a little bit hard because I'm trying to come up with a mouth the cuff. But maybe the one with girl from LA versus you know Mexican girl from LA, you can understand how even if you say like white girl versus Mexican girl, you're not. You would have to maybe say like instagram mexican girl or like rich mexican girl to change the image in your head even though literally the substitutions are just direct white for mexican or yeah no Jewish i know I, I, I fully agree and that's something that we all experience even the most unproblematic dude in the world 
is going to have like preconceptions loaded into their understanding of statements and what they sort of fit into any given set of, um, you know, demographic modifiers. I fully understand that. I don't disagree. Hey, I just so think, I think the state that like men like that it's a social problem that men aren't getting their dicks wet. You know, I, I think that's like a wholly defensible statement. You can read like implicit misogyny into that. There are people who will say, you know, why aren't men getting laid? Maybe women should put out more or some shit like that, you know. But I didn't say that. And, and I was pretty clear in the in the, you know, the full body of my tweets and certainly in my follow ups that no, this just means it's a social issue that affects like alienation with men. It doesn't mean like women have to step in and fix it or anything. It's just sort of um, uh, concurrent with broader social issues. And I think it should be taken seriously. So you think I'm sorry, can you trace me through the thinking here for a little bit? A little bit because I was going to just talk about uh, you took it in just a slightly different direction. Um, I guess I was talking about uh, why people might find this problematic, and I was going to say there's this specific framing, but um, Warning. Uh, I'm, I didn't quite see how that connected to what you just said about your your point in making the thread and what what clear things you've tried to say. I think that's part of the, the problem with this for me is maybe I don't 100% understand what you're trying to say, or maybe people don't understand what you're trying to say. Well, would you agree that men having less and less sex on average is like a social issue? Because humans want to have sex, right? I mean, not all. There are asexual people and people who aren't ready and people with trauma and blah-de-blah, but the majority of people uh, who, who are, you know, adults want to be having sex. It's something we enjoy. And if you're getting numbers of like, oh yeah, well like 30% of guys haven't had sex in the past year, that's a lot of guys. I mean, that's that's 30% of guys, even. Um, and, and I think well, that's this, representative. Well, this data, I, I will say this data is not current. This, I mean, the, these trends have reversed, actually, and women have gone up and men have gone down, but... Yeah, which um, I fully agree is a social problem. Um, I only so saw you that think data later, you... but I, I, don't think it, I don't think it matters with respect to the issue we're talking about. Because I'm not, like, dying on an ideological hill. If men and women are equally alienated in a sexual respect, then I would say the exact same argument just in a gender-neutral way. But if the data said only men or only women were having trouble getting laid, I would make the argument that that was a social problem. So, are you, so you're no saying matter where the this, data is. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm not trying to, to cut you off. I'm That's just fine. trying to understand the... Um, so you think the problem... You, you mean to say that the problem specifically is that men aren't having sex and that's the sociological problem we should be taking more seriously? Well, the more recent data seems to indicate an equal level of chastity between men and women, at which point it's not a men issue, it's just a broader social issue that's gender neutral. But in, con in conform with the original data that I saw, which is Warning. that men were having a harder time, I would say that's a men's issue and a social issue broadly, yeah. I think that let's let's just go into a uh, like into a world where it is a social issue, and I like not gonna argue on that point right this second. But so if that is the specific part of the convert, or is that if that is like part of your specific. Uh, This, the specific point you want to get across 
I just think that I I would just say I think maybe what you're missing I understand the argument that people are sometimes too sensitive and it can ruin communication. I think it's a little bit uh, tenuous of a position to take because they're, I mean, sensitivity is a relative thing. And a lot of people are like, why can't I just call you the N-word? You're being too too sensitive. Um, but I think that framing makes people nervous because it's the exact same framing you could find on like Tucker Carlson, for example. Well, this is the issue that I, this is one of the problems that I have with the left. That would mean that Tucker Carlson is correct and the left is failing to address it. So this is an issue that I've noticed. One of the reasons why incel and red pill communities have exploded in prominence is because a lot of mainstream feminists have done a really poor job of constructing narratives of gender that address some of the issues that men have because men are the hegemonic um, gender, because they're the more powerful gender, you know, by far, in, in, in so many respects. Their problems aren't taken as a matter of priority. And perhaps they shouldn't be. Women do face broader issues in many ways. But it's still important to recognize some sorts of things. Men are provably lonelier than women, not just in a sexual way, just in a variety of ways. And that is a real issue. Um, and a lot of guys get really lonely. Are and provably lone. That's That's like a huge... I mean, I think that would be difficult to prove via dissertation, like, let alone, I mean, that's a huge statement. Men are lonelier than women. I don't necessarily even think it's it's wrong, but... Well, there you go. Men have a harder time making friends because toxic masculinity makes it really difficult for men to be open. It's easier to make friends with women. Everyone knows that. Um, women are taught to be more sociable. They're literally trained on being more, like, friendly. Whereas men are often encouraged to be emotionally um, non-communicative, uh, being distant, being, you know, isolatory, being, um, you know, all that stuff. Like, those are considered manly characteristics, you know, that John Wayne, like, noble stranger bullshit. Yeah, uh, but there's a, there's a lot of bullshit. I mean, I think you're sort of getting into, like, some weird territory that I think would make a lot of leftists nervous. Uh, just because you're getting into some weird, like, gender essentialism... A little bit. But men a, do have those issues. That's just a feminist critique. There's a feminist critique over male culture, but I don't know if it's essential to men. I'm, I am not the person to speak for well, feminists in, in any you, way. Would you agree men are more violent than women? Because um, we do certainly have data on that. Mind you, I'm not saying inherently more violent. I'm just saying that in our society today, do men do more violence? I mean, I th think... I mean, we, we, what, we do how see... How are you qualifying this, I guess? I mean, by any metric we chose, it would lean in favor of men, right? Obviously, if we go by stuff like imprisonment or anything like, like FBI data or whatever, it goes to men. Um, if we go for studies on, like, um, psychiatric analyses of violent impulses or um, uh, uh, biometric studies on the effects testosterone has on violent impulses, you could go a lot of different directions, but men lean in this direction. And I think it's okay to acknowledge that. If we want to solve problems, we have to notice their existence first, right? I don't know about... I think it's biologically essential. I think that would be... Maybe, but I, I it's, it's again, it's, 
I think it's mostly social. Yeah, I would agree that I think part of toxic masculinity is teaching men to respond to emotional or social threats with violence. I think that that for sure is is proven. Yeah, so you would agree with me um, with regards to men being more violent in, in, a, in, a, in a social sense. Well, men are lonelier in a social sense as well. By this, we can go by average number of friends, uh, men and women being polled on like the number of close friends they have. Um, there are uh, there are a bunch of ways to study this, the same way that you would study any other sociological or psychiatric set of conditions. I just um, think I think something about this discourse that is missing from your perspective is that I don't think like people who are sociological researchers would necessarily say this. I think in certain ways you can get. Like, I saw you linked to, for example, the, uh, what is it called? The State of the American Friendship. It's like a survey that's put out by the American Survey Center. And there were some things about a close number of friends um, between men and women. Um, but if you actually go and read the survey and the researchers' opinions, they don't actually think that men are more lonely than women. First of all, it, the survey was only taken on 2,000 people, and it's extrapolated to beyond 350 million. So, you know, that's less than one in every 100 million people. So there, there's a lot of noise in the actual survey itself. But even beyond that, the way that uh, men and women respond to surveys is actually different. Um, okay, let me let me let me try this a different way. Okay, okay I sure I am concerned by your behavior because it seems to me like you're very uh, so. Okay, I want to be clear when I say cuck behavior, I'm I'm very much doing the toxic masculinity stuff myself. But follow through with me here for purely comedic purposes. This is a bit cucky, okay, sure, because it's a cucky because okay. What I'm concerned with here is you seem very trepidatious about the sociological ascription of average behaviors to men or women when that is like the core of sociological feminism. After all, criticisms of patriarchy and toxic masculinity are rooted in an understanding that men and women's behaviors and experiences differ. On average, not inherently or to everyone, but broadly speaking. And I wonder sometimes if people don't just have like this... Um, really like strong aversion to admitting that guys might be shafted in some senses because they worry that acknowledging that is like that one step down the rabbit hole to conservative politics but i argue the opposite is the case conservative politics are emboldened by the fact that people on the left are really really like resistant to talking about um men's issues because then men who do have issues will go to the places where those issues are being talked about, even if it's being done so poorly. And that will lead them to the incel, red pill, Tucker Carlson type communities. Finally, they think, you know, we found someone who will actually address this stuff. And, and they're wrong. But, like, I feel like we could have prevented this. We could have given a better answer. And that starts with, like, yeah, you know, there are some issues men, like, particularly experienced and those can be addressed I, 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 without like foisting any issues on women or whatever i just think like step one is actually you know pointing to them well but i think your thinking works in sort of a vacuum but there i understand i so i'm a 
professional uh, pharmacologist. That's my job. And I think scientists can be a little bit obsequious because they're not sure if they want to make a claim or not. So I, I understand the criticism, point taken. But the incel communities are fundamentally it's like the tiniest bit of history uh like incel as a concept and as a word was invented by a female graduate student she started forums and uh you know spaces for people to communicate about the fact that they were involuntarily celibate i'm not sure if you're aware of that history no i'm familiar Oh, okay, great. Um, so the problem is, is that there are a lot of men out there who feel um, entitled to sex and they hate women and they especially hate women who won't have sex with them. Mm -hmm. And that is the bulk of what incel communities are. And those those types of people are not really going to be won over by arguments against toxic masculinity. Oh, I, I strongly disagree, but it's because of the way you phrased it. You're not arguing against toxic masculinity when you talk to these people. You're arguing in favor of ways for them to solve their problems. You never use the term toxic masculinity because that's just a bad term to use when you're directly addressing people's issues. But you can listen to their problems. A lot of young guys just kind of feel like they're never going to be liked at all by women, you know? Like, here's something that a lot of feminists are kind of uncomfortable with that's true. Women being sexualized plays to their favor in one specific way, at least one. And that's that women generally feel desired. Even if it's in a bad way or by bad people, that sense of desire is something they carry with them. Uh, ContraPoints talks about this in her video on men, where she says that, being a trans woman who's been on Tinder as both a man and a woman, while she does get a lot of really shitty messages as a woman that she didn't as a guy, as a guy she got, like, nothing. And she admits that she would rather get, you know, mixed attention as a woman than none as a man. And this... I don't think anything that I've said invalidates feminist critique or says that women have it easy or anything like that. But we, we should acknowledge, you know, the opposite side of that issue. Like, you know, a lot of guys in their dating lives, they just feel like invisible, like completely unseen by the people around them. And that those experiences, I mean, it's not at all surprising. It would lead men to become embittered or negative or, you know, so on. And we should do uh, what we can to improve those experiences. I, I sort of understand what you're saying. I think you... There are probably some areas that we disagree on, but I, I'm trying to stay focused because I just don't want to, you know, waste a bunch of time talking. Um, I don't think you're at risk of doing that. Let me think for just one moment. I think maybe when you make small claims they make a lot of sense and are justifiable um you you said that you think feminists are uncomfortable with this this single benefit of you know being objectified i guess and i i would just say that 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 framing is so close to my thought, even if you if you mean it purely um, in the the nicest way possible, that framing is so close to a misogynistic view of women, which is uh, you know sort of women they they don't 
they take for granted the benefits they get from society because they're pretty and you know they can get jobs just because they have a nice ass or or whatever they do sometimes. you know that's true it is true but you know that may happen but that's saying it's true in one instance is different than somebody with a public platform emphasizing that it's true i agree but i do qualify my statements i'm not like firing tweets off into the void like men aren't having enough sex and women don't realize how much their beauty gets them or anything if i was just throwing that out there with no context then i fully agree that i'd be doing something irresponsible but i think that i generally make a pretty good effort to you know qualify all this the issue that i have is that it seems like a lot of people are resistant to hearing it even with qualification um how you know even if um even if like you get the full analysis with like okay yeah well this isn't like women's fault or anything it's just this that the other um people still get really upset at which point you know like well how then do you even broach these issues like can we acknowledge at all that men have some specific problems or or is that just like taboo is it not allowed to even acknowledge that and if that's the case that's kind of Shitty. I think I really think it's the framing that's a problem and it's what's getting people so upset like um if you said for example uh you know men let let me think of an alternate framing quickly if you said that Um, here's something that we've talked about in my friend group a lot because I live in Ohio. I've always lived in the Midwest. It's that um, a lot of men are raised with the attitude that they need to provide for a family. So in our current capitalist system, a lot of people are kept really far down um, because the more precariousness in the society, the more coerced people will be to work for wealthy capitalists. Um, and that makes men feel like they're not good enough for sex. Um, so then they're not having as much sex. So that's like, and that's just a small slice of the pie. It's not the whole picture, but that specific framing, I think makes clear to people that you're talking about it from a progressive critique of conservatism, this idea that men have to be the provider and capitalism, the way people are kept in, um, precarious economic conditions. Well, I get that, but did I not? I mean, in those tweets, I say it's a social issue that ties back to men's alienation and loneliness, and it can be addressed by stuff like um, better city design uh, to facilitate interpersonal communication better. Um, and I talk about toxic masculinity. I address it pr directly in the, um, in, in the main body of tweets. Surely no reactionary account of these issues would ever blame toxic masculinity uh, for problems like these. They couldn't, you know? That's not a reactionary framing of the issue. Sure. I I totally understand that. But I think... I don't think you've made it clear. And I tried to go back and listen through some of your videos and things. And, and I'm sorry, I don't have, like, that deep of an understanding of you as a public figure. But it it's definitely trying to understand your perspective. It was not clear to me whether you were a right-winger or a left-winger. Uh, at least on this issue. I just, I don't know how. I mean, I blame toxic masculinity right there from the start. I have no idea how there could be any ambiguity to that. At no point that I say there are people, implying... there are people who are like the liberal right. Um, like some of this data you cited is indirectly used by um, the uh, American, what is it called? American Families Institute. And they talk about the exact same data in the context of 
not having as much faith and not having as much marriage. Yeah, but doesn't this kind of serve my point exactly? The oversensitivity to the issue to the point where even bringing it up makes it seem as though one is conservative. And the fact that just using this data is indicative of my positions. I mean, no, no, no. Support... I'm, I'm saying I, I just meant like on this one specific issue, like is bringing up toxic masculinity enough? I'm not sure because they talk about toxic masculinity in their materials a little bit, but they're, I mean, a lot of times people, this, this is why I kind of wanted to talk about coded language just a little bit, is that this, the way you've talked about it, and even in this conversation to an extent, is ambiguous to me. And I can't tell if you're talking to a male audience and validating their, uh, what's the word, their um, resentment towards women for not getting sex, or you're talking to a progressive audience about, you know, how to, how does you know, socialism address sociological problems like loneliness. It's just not clear to me. And but, I don't think it's clear to other people as well, necessarily. But I think that's part of the issue. The hypersensitivity to this topic to the point where you might assume that I'm a conservative simply for addressing basic and meaningful information from a feminist perspective. It just makes it seem like the, the takeaway here is like the default assumption is that if you're talking about men's issues, it must be because you're misogynistic. Which comes across to me as really... Um, you want to know what, though? I think you might actually be hitting on on something I'm trying to communicate. You're maybe just using it in different words. I do think that the default assumption, like the way that that language is coded, the default assumption is that when men are talking about men's issues, what they really mean is how much they resent women and how much they feel victimized by when women. And it's unclear to people that you're... It's unclear to people unless you specify in a very specific way um, what you mean, especially when you tie sex into it. It gets a little bit more confusing because I, I watch a ton of Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson talks about this all the time. Um, so it it comes across as unclear to me. And I think that's maybe what you're missing from your perspective that it's, makes it seem confusing why people are attacking you. But so, I, I think that's their problem, though. I agree with what you're saying. What you're essentially saying is what I'm saying, which is that the left talks about these issues so infrequently that they automatically assume anyone who is talking about it is doing so from the perspective of the only people who talk about men's issues, which is the far right. Um, but that is a problem of the left. I mean, the, it is the left's fault. We've ceded this issue to the right. Men are half the population, more or less, you know, half the population. Um, the fact that, like, oh, men's issues? Ah, a conservative. You know what I mean? But um, you have to define it. What I think I'm missing is that you need to define it from a leftist perspective. And... Toxic masculinity. Uh, 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 sociability. Um, Tucker Carlson has never used the word toxic masculinity as a life unless it was part of a screed against the left's war. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He says it all the time, but just to, to scree. Um, but well, I don't know if scree, if people say that all over the country, but just to like yell and scream and just be whatever. But the, you know, I think the left talks about this issue by talking about the prison system, by talking about capitalism, by talking about racism, sexism, exclusivity in the way that divides us by talking about the way that men are manipulated to the right um, and the, the way that feels us makes us feel separated or isolated. You know, I think that's the perspective and the framing that a leftist 
uses to talk about this. And you've used the perspective of partially, Getting you know, closer. a little bit. Yes. And I think that perspective makes people that the, the coding of talking about it from that perspective is, is fundamentally um, confusing and like a little bit repulsive to use without without qualifying in a very specific way but i mean how's it repulsive I, people like pussy i that's not i don't i don't think i mean you know not not to get all um in hysterics over this or whatever but we we shouldn't it, it would be inhuman of us to try to address a problem like this in some kind of like um sterilized you know you know like it would be taboo to acknowledge that men want sex i i i disagree with this i mean they do of course and women want sex you know everyone yeah the, most everyone but the, wants sex. that's not that's not like the main thing that's going on i mean the main thing is that people are isolated and feel lonely in our society um for different reasons, and there are sp some specific reasons that men feel lonely and isolated. I think prison's like a really great example, especially because it fits into you know our leftist perspective. Um, I mean, in sex, in sex may be part of that. Um, it it probably is part of it to an extent. Um, and I think you know I'm definitely a sex positive person. I think people should should have sex and not feel guilty about it and shouldn't shouldn't moralize it as long as it's consenting um and it's a it's pleasurable for both parties then i think it should be viewed as a positive thing but the uh, people on the right wing they they frame men's issues so often around sex because it's how they view women's role in society to serve as you know a vessel for children to serve as a vessel for male pleasure male gaze male objectification and to basically serve as a you know like house slave but that's what i'm telling you like we've ceded the discussion to the right wing what, what you're saying agrees with my perspective here we've given them the sole ability to talk about stuff like um you know men's sexual to, to be clear like women's sexual lives are addressed in a feminist perspective all the time like there are entire disciplines of academic, collegiate feminist study that specifically address sex from a feminist perspective, you know? That's like a, a, a very, very, very much like a, a well-trodden bit of territory. Um, so to, to, to go through that, and then it's like, okay, well, yeah, you can talk about that, but it would be reactionary to talk about it with, like, you know, a uh, guy's perspective. I, I just don't get it, you know? Um, Stuff like you, that's important. Do you at least do you at least understand that maybe just hearing my perspective, hearing that I'm not like I'm I well, I hope I don't come off as unhinged or something like that, but I uh, I mean like does hearing my perspective maybe like make you think of a way in which that this can be addressed that's more immediately appealing or catered to it? men in a progressive way if that makes sense well my but my issue is that i don't i don't want to make that change because right now talking about men's issues in this respect is such a taboo subject that i would be asked to tiptoe around it as you are asking me, you know like okay well there are collegiate studies of women's sex from a feminist perspective but like with men you need to like qualify it in this way 
Um, I, I, I reject that. I think it would be far better. But if... a, feminist, a feminist perspective is a perspective about equality between men and women. Um, so, and it's like an anti-patriarchal, anti-hierarchical perspective. Um, That's what so I'm offering. It, it kind of sounds like you're offering a perspective from like a meninist perspective to an extent. No. I don't think that's your intention, but... I'm just talking about it from men's perspective. It's not It's not any less equality-oriented because it's being done from a men's perspective. Feminist egalitarian literature is often done from a women's perspective. I mean, there's so, nothing wrong with doing it from a men's perspective. How do you think incels hear this message? Do you think it pushes them towards progressive ideology? Yeah, absolutely. Because they see, uh, trust me, I've gotten a lot of emails from people being like, I used to be in the incel or red pill community and hearing you talk about X or Y. I've done a lot of videos on loneliness and men's issues because nobody else on the left does. Um, and a lot of them really just want like answers for their issues. A lot of guys are really lonely and they get, they're kind of getting like a bum deal with a lot of the social standards we have for beauty and social acceptance. And they, they feel, they know that, but like they don't know how to politically channel that. So they go to the sources uh, where they can get answers. And often that just ends up being the right. And, you know, I think I can give a better answer than those guys. We need to talk about it. And we need to talk about it in ways they care to hear. And that means talking about pussy. Um, guys like pussy. Some guys, not all guys, don't want to generalize. But, you know, you want to talk, like, how do you get the, the ear of the incels? Well, you don't sit them down for a lecture on toxic masculinity. You talk about, like, you talk about these serious issues, the straight and narrow, and you do it, you don't patronize to them. And hopefully that works. I think it's a little bit like catering your i mean i'm glad you've moved some people out of the incel community which is essentially a community about misogyny and maybe move them towards a leftist perspective but maybe the emails are are flavoring your perspective a little bit um and i mean that respectfully i'm not trying to, to be down on you or anything sure keep in uh, mind though i do have a pretty large community i'm in a good position to assess the anecdotal evidence I have at my disposal, right? Sure, you probably know better than me. I, I just wanted to to qualify that. Um, but there there's going to be a group of people. I mean, you can see them down in like the comments under this these posts on Twitter. A group of people who are right-wingers who see your message and what they're hearing, what they're perceiving because of like, the general societal coding around this thing is that oh look even the leftists agree yeah that's good um it that makes us look sane to them because it makes us but look insane it doesn't, it, that does not move the majority of those people to the left i mean like not with my, one tweet my, no not with one tweet not with a thousand like i have you know there must be hundreds of people in my greater social network here in I've lived in Indiana and Iowa and and, uh, and uh, Ohio, and the people who are the deepest in these circles, you, you can show them a hundred things that appeal to them, and it just gets them deeper and deeper in their hole. Like like there's this concept that the um, the uh, what is it called anti defamation league talks about um, called keystoning, where one of the best ways to change people's opinions is to show them that they've been lied to once 
so they change their sources of information. I don't know if this is sort of validating their framing, so I don't know if it exactly encourages them to to move on. Well, the first step, if you want to change people's minds, is make sure that they trust you as a source. Um, you know, it, it, the convincingness of your argument is almost irrelevant on first contact. You want to give them a reason to listen to you. And one of the best ways to do that is to be the reasonable opposition. Most leftists won't even talk about men's issues from this perspective. They're repulsed by them. Uh, a lot of people on the left, let's be real, hate men. Um, unfortunately, this is a criticism levied by the right that is true. I don't think it seeps that much into the academic side of things, but interpersonally, we tolerate a lot of misandry in our community, which is unfortunate. Not a huge systemic problem, but it's not great. Um, and by, by, oh, sorry, I hear echo on your side. Do you have earbuds in? I do. I'm sorry, did it just start? The echo just started, yes. Oh, okay, let me turn it down. I think I'm slightly deaf, so I just have to turn up my headphones, and I think it's literally picking it back up on the mic. That's impressive. Sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to, to um, uh, stack you there. Um, no, no, it's okay. Um, anyway, you, you pose yourself as like the reasonable opposition, you know? This is one of the reasons that people like um, Dave Rubin have been able to be so successful. Tim Pool, especially. Man, a lot of people like that. You know, it's the way they come across. There's this effort to be like the, oh, mm, I'm not a this or that. I'm just a reasonable bloody blah, you know? People are vulnerable to those narratives. And in this case, it's a correct one. I'm not grifting. I am totally open to talk about men's issues and I'm sympathetic to men's issues. So what happens often, in my experience from what I've seen, is that I will talk about these issues in a way these guys have never heard from a lefty before. I'll say it flat out. Some women are bitches. And again, you can chafe at the language, but this is pathologically true. Were it not, you know, four billion aren't, you know, of course some women are. There are some behaviors of toxic femininity that are really irritating. Yeah, men get a raw deal in some senses. But what, and, and these are true things. And once you, you lead them in with that, you give them that knowledge, you know, yeah, the left isn't like delusional. We can acknowledge this. We can talk about this. And once you can start having that conversation with them, you gain the ability to start winning them over on the bigger issues. And that's what I make an effort to do. You lead them in, yeah, I am a leftist who will talk about how like men have like are kind of fucked in dating. Like, yeah, I will talk about how like men are shamed for their uh, appearance and height in ways that women aren't, and that can fuck them over and it really sucks, you know? Um, and now, hey, do you want to hear about something called like toxic masculinity? It doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean masculinity is toxic. It just means that there are like expectations that we have that are really fucked. Like expecting men to always pay for the date, huh? Am I right, fellas? Nobody likes doing that, hey. You know, and you win them in with this. And I think this is like a really, because it's not dishonest. I'm not, I'm not like lying to anyone. I, I'm just trying to show them that I'm not dogmatically opposed to talking about these topics. And I think that, okay. that wins their trust. And, and that's what I try to go for. So if I understand you correctly, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, you're saying that you intentionally use in-cell framing of certain issues if they, you know, are true in some sense to try and draw in people from that community to move them along, you know, uh, whatever spectrum from right to left is if I understand you correctly is that what you're saying I'll talk about issues that are important to them but I don't adopt their framing I don't for example defend the concept of hypergamy or spouse any of the red pill ideology I don't talk about how uh, this is because women are innately capricious or untrustworthy or anything the framing is mine and my framing is leftist 
Um, these are just issues that they're concerned about. I want to give them a better framing on issues that they have, um, let's say, deficient understandings of, you know? Um, I, I certainly don't think their framing of the issue is, is adequate or helpful at all. Okay. I think we understand each other, and maybe um, if, the, if it's of any use to you, I... I hope it makes some sort of impact that this this framing is the reason people react the way they do is because this kind of framing and I guess even just adopting, you know, I, I think you're what you're talking about, too, is some language appropriation, appropriating some of the language of the incel community, using it to mean a different thing and a different way to try and attract them. Um, I think that type of thing, I yeah, it's. I think you understand why. I think it could make people nervous. I mean, well, I get. Well, I get your initial. I just want to say though, like, really quickly. I just want to say, keep in mind, I'm not adopting the framing. Only truthful points on on some issues of men's experiences. You know, if I was on Twitter just saying women are bitches or whatever, you know, I, I I get what I get there, but I don't do that. Um, I don't. I don't think people on the left should be lambasted for saying the true stuff, though. You know, like, um the negative experiences that men can have specific to their gender or at least associated with it. Um, this wouldn't be surprised if your pipeline occasionally even works in the backward direction, though. I mean, uh, that's that's a topic for a different time. But but, but, that, but but that's where we disagree, because I think that as a man, all men already know what I'm saying, that some women are bitches and capricious and liars. And that, well, of course, obviously everyone is. Um, that there are experiences that men have that are specifically kind of fucked and how like men's appearances are judged in ways that women's aren't and so on and so forth. I think most men know that. Talk to a guy who's under six feet tall and ask him how he feels about women and their standards of men's height. And you're going to see him try to choke back tears, you know? Um, the, men, oh, I... men get this already. The left just won't talk about it. So men on the left have to pretend they don't experience these things because if they do acknowledge them, they'll be ousted from their progressive communities. And men outside of the left think people in the left are insane for pretending these obviously true things aren't, you know? Yeah, it just it just seems like some some weird framing to me because I... Like, if we just talk about... Uh, It, it almost seems like some... I... I don't know how to respond to it in a way that doesn't fall into maybe some perceived sensitivity uh, things you're talking about, but... Well, do you disagree with the empirics of what I'm saying? That these are issues and that acknowledging them is not um, dishonest at all? Um... So I'm... I'm not very tall. I'm 5'8", and I think that there definitely, you know, at one point in my life that made me feel self-conscious, like, man, you know, there, there's all this uh, discourse about being taller and, you know, how it changes your life and how it's going to change your income and blah, 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 blah. Um, it does. Tall people earn more on average. They're more respected. Uh, the taller presidential candidate has won, I believe, every time since television became a standard in presidential debates. There's real systemic discrimination against shorter men. It just feels weird to say because it's like, oh, heightism with men? This isn't an issue with women, by the way. Women don't get judged for being shorter, at least not in nearly the same way, because being tall is considered masculine, so 
wouldn't come back and hit women the same way. Um, but that's a real thing. There have been more black presidents in the past half century than there have short presidents. It's a real bias. It just sounds stupid to address, right? Like, oh yeah, there's black discrimination, you know, um, and then there's shortism or whatever. Uh, here's another one. Uh, you know how um, black people, um, specifically black men, are likely to get longer sentences for the same crimes with the same priors than uh, white convicts? Um, yeah. That difference is triple the size between men and women with the same crimes and priors. The difference in bias between black people and white people is a third the difference between men and women for the same crimes with the same priors. Which is insane! Yeah. Like, whoa, misandry affects the justice system to the point that it literally triples the empirical product of racism and sentencing? I just don't yeah. think that's quite... Uh, there's... You're doing some things that I don't think are quite, uh, like, recommended when you're thinking about survey datas or measurements, like, um... Are we not just uncomfortable with addressing this at all? Because I'm using the same data standards by which we address sentencing bias between black and white people. So if we disregard the misandristic difference, we have to disregard the racial difference. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm, I'm saying, like, if you go look in at what not people on the internet, but criminologists are saying about um, senting, sentencing difference between, you know, uh, like white people and black people, I think there's specifically... I should say, you know, from my point of view, I think America has a lot of racism problems, but I also think it has a lot of anti-black problems. So sometimes, you know, I'll just say, you know, black people and white people, just because I, I think America's, yeah. Um, there, there, that's like a whole field of research, and you know, they put a lot of work into measuring those statistics correctly. And there's not a lot of with respect. researchers. I hate to call you out on this, but this is the kind of stuff that I hear from white nationalists. There's a very strong academic and sociological consensus in what I've described to you, and now you're saying like, well, was the research rigorous enough? The only reason you're saying this is because you're biased against the outcome. And you no, can, no, well, I'm you not. Can I deny that, but like, again, this isn't difficult to see. Measuring different groups of people and their sentencing and conviction durations with the same crimes and priors and everything, that's a pretty easy thing to control for. I would know. The sociology and criminology departments in my university were merged. I was president of the Sociology Criminology Club. I did studies like this and worked with people who were smarter than me who did studies like this. My baccalaureate thesis was on the criminal justice system, and I led council groups on the same. I worked with former and current prisoners. Trust me, it's a real issue. But nobody wants to talk about, you know, anti-male bias in the criminal justice, because it sounds dumb. And I know that it sounds dumb. Because um, I had to have these conversations with people and it sounds really dumb to bring it up, you know? Oh, what, men are having problems? Well, 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 yeah, actually. So It doesn't sound dumb It to, to my ear. It sounds like something that's difficult to measure. And it sounds like something that you'd have to, uh, would have to tightly control for. I like the, agree, but that's what they've done. We should have faith in the peer-reviewed studies, shouldn't we? Unless you have some specific counter-evidence to, 
you know. Well, I guess maybe this is just belying some ignorance and social measurements, but I haven't, I don't think I've seen very many high-powered studies looking at sentencing differences between, between men and women. Would you like to look at some? Because the, again, I, I, I don't, I don't mean to be um, dismissive, but you're, in, you're rejecting something of which you have no knowledge, right? Like this is an anti-intellectual reaction. This is a subject you don't know about, which is, I don't know, tons of things, but your innate response to it is like, well, I think that it's difficult to measure stuff like that. Well, sure. No, the, the, especially the way I'm verbalizing it, the skepticism I'm expressing is unfair because it's not exactly skepticism searching out some sort of greater truth. It's just skepticism. But is it that difficult to imagine? One of the um, standards of patriarchy is the understanding that women are innately delicate and weak and men are strong and violent. And if people believe those things, which they sure as shit do, um, it makes sense that men would be sentenced for longer. They're perceived as greater social threats. For thousands of years, you know, men are killed when villages are raided and the women are captured. There's a long-standing, I would almost say, tradition of underestimating the violent potential of women. So it makes sense that when it comes to sentencing, people would be more lenient. They find women more sympathetic, you know, like, uh, like dogs which is another component of patriarchal bias against women, that we patronize yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I think what makes me just not sure is like, um, yeah, I guess I would just have to see because there maybe there is like a robust history on measuring these things and looking at like a full suite of controls. Like, you know, it's when like, for, for example, when these things are looked at uh, white versus black, they, you know, they sort people by individual area code um it's socioeconomic status level of education um there there's like a lot of work put in to make sure you're making an apples to apples comparison and that's all i'm i'm curious about i don't want to you know sit and and pontificate on something i've never seen that I, you know i'm not an idiot so <laughs> but are we not sitting and pontificating yeah, sure, but I mean, it's it's something that you're more knowledgeable about than I am. I mean, it'd be idiotic for me to just sit here and tell you my thoughts on something that I'm ignorant of, or at least, I don't know, I think so. There's a, uh, I'm, I believe it's well studied enough that there's actually a, um, a Wikipedia article on it. I didn't mean to get in a debate on that specifically. It's kind of tangential to what we're talking about broadly. Yeah, yeah, sure, um, sure. I, I only Absolutely. wanted to point out, like, you know, I, I think you've kind of demonstrated what I... I guess what I wanted, you, you've fallen into my brilliant trap here, um, which, which is that people are innately uncomfortable addressing men's issues, you know? Um, oh, well, I think that maybe the, the study wasn't done properly, or maybe this is difficult to control for or such. Well, you didn't know that. You couldn't have known that, but it's what you went to first. So, and, and I don't think this is just a you thing. I just think, like, we're, as, as leftists, we're very conditioned to reject people who, who jump up and say like, oh, what about men? You know, because 99% of the time, the people who are jumping up screaming, well, what about men? Are like huge pieces of shit. I don't deny this at all. Well, and there's a lot of bullshit science on the internet, honestly. So, I mean, pharmacology is my specialty. And I, a good 70% of the time when people are quoting something, they're quoting like the minority's opinion on the research I mean, COVID was like this times one million. Uh, they're qu they're quoting the minority position on the research, and it's just like not even properly done in the most basic aspects. So it's like my immediate reaction when in co in 
encountering something that I'm not familiar with on the internet to just be a little bit like more skeptical than I I normally would. But I mean, I do I do admit it does it does sound ridiculous on its face to talk about men's heights and does it really have an effect? I mean, I'm sort of uh, I mean my base reaction is the I'm a little bit skeptical. I would say maybe some, but. Also something that's just intrinsically difficult to measure because height is so tied to so many other things like, uh, you know, your nutrition. And we know that there's a mechanical link between, you know, nutrition and people's ability to be successful in life. So when you quote it to me, it just it sort of rhymes with the way that right wingers read one sixteenth of a study, quote out the minority's opinion to come to a conclusion that the authors didn't even you know, consider valid, if that makes sense. But the authors consider my positions valid. Um, we can, I mean, again, it, it's it's not meant to be a study roundup, but there are certainly studies on the effects that height has on people's perceptions controlled for other things. Um, likewise, with a variety of characteristics that are more or less specific to men. Um, there are plenty of other things that are more or less specific to men. For example, being the victims of murder. Um, the um, the overwhelming majority of um, of murders are committed between men, usually in gang situations in inner cities, um, which is of course a product of the you know sort of gendered bias and the kinds of people that gangs send out with guns. Um, I don't think that's quite true. It, I, I I would speak to just as somebody who does does some reading in criminology, the majority of murders, especially in the United States, are random acts of violence. Or maybe by murders, you don't mean homicide. No, I mean, when, when you take a look at the murders in the United States, um, a, a significant percentage of them come from gang or gang-related violence. It's not always literal gang hits that are being put on between groups, but oftentimes it'll be something adjacent, like uh, the social conditions caused by poverty and gang violence in an area lead to conflict, or people are afraid that other people represent some kind of implicit threat to a territory, so they act to preemptive violence i mean there's a million ways that it could play out that might be true but the majority of the majority of homicide or i should say the plurality of homicides in the united states uh they essentially boil down to arguments uh people get in arguments and then you know often between men because men are aggressive argumentative um men are at greater risk of violence in that respect um than women are uh, obviously not in all respects. There are certainly ways in which women are subject to disproportionate amounts of violence, but that's the key difference, isn't it? We know the big way in which women are subjected to disproportionate violence, or two ways, rape and um, domestic abuse. We talk about them endlessly and exhaustively. Everyone on the left has had conversations about the importance of addressing these biases. How many conversations have we had about these specific types of violence that disproportionately affect men? Because for my money, gotta be 120th as often. Maybe not even that. Maybe maybe that's even optimistic, right? These biases are not invisible to people outside the left. There are men out there who will look at us and think we are insane for exclusively fixating on those issues. And honestly, I can't blame them for no reason other than because we could be doing so much more to pull people into our movement by just acknowledging them. You could do that from a feminist perspective effortlessly. It wouldn't de- detract from any of our positions, right? Uh, I don't know, because I think those men are sort of... They're missing They're missing a piece of the puzzle that they... I don't know if they'd readily absorb. 
Well, we have to I guess show you're, that. I guess you're, you're fully aware of the risk of validating right-wingers' opinions, it seems like. It seems like you've you've thought about it, and I appreciate that much. But um, I, I don't think I have anything more to say that wouldn't just be um, circling back around and sort of, you know, wasting some of your time. And I definitely don't want to do that. Um, can I can but, I ask something a little a little pointed, if I may? Sure, go for it. You've heard of thirteen fifty, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the idea, the FBI, and of course, you know, it's not a fully accurate statistic. A million ways to measure it. Some people say it's thirteen fifty two now. Whatever. Um, black people responsible for violent crimes. La di da. You know. And this is often cited by very racist people, um, usually apropos of nothing. They'll just sort of drop it there, you know, like a like a, a shit in a public pool. Um, they don't really analyze it. They want people to uh, sort of do work intuitively on the number, you know. Oh, well, if there's a disproportionate amount of violence being committed by one group, that must mean... And they hope people will arrive at racist conclusions. Now, yes. of course, uh, with any analysis of the number or of socioeconomics, you can arrive at extremely left-leaning explanations for that disparity. Um, racial bias, redlining, socioeconomic disparities, a, a million things, criminal uh, uh, misconduct, uh, uh, police bias. There's so many ways you can go at that. However, um, one thing that I've noticed is that a lot of people on the left, when they hear somebody say 1350 or whatever, they'll freeze up and they'll deny it and they'll get uncomfortable with it and when they do that they're they're validating the right wingers who brought it up because that's what they want they want people on the left to look like we're running in fear of the truth they want people on the left to be unable to respond to to to, to have to shroud our eyes to avoid actually acknowledging this horrifying truth you know they they want it to seem as though it's a defeater but what you can do is lean into it and you can go, oh, yeah, 1350. Do you know why that is? Which they never expect, of course. They never expect a follow-up like that. Um, they might say something smarmy like, uh, black culture or whatever, but they're not ready for what comes next. And then you break them apart. You you destroy them. You, you break all their limbs conversationally. Um, because if you're well-studied on it, you can now provide like 87 explanations for it. And the whole time you can make fun of them. Oh, did you not know that? Oh, did you just cite that number without knowing? Oh, okay, well here, here's something else you might want to know. And you can just tear them to shreds on this because they're, they don't, they never actually know criminology. But in order for that to be possible, and trust me, this is the best outcome if ever you're in a situation where you want to defend your positions, you know, you, you want to be dominating in them. Abstainiousness doesn't always work. If ever you are in such a position, you need to be willing to work with the material provided. You can't just say, no, that's not true, or refuse to engage outright. That'll never be enough. And that's what I seek to do with many issues the left wants to leave on the table, including male loneliness, sexual behavior, yeah, yeah, you know? Even if it gets brought up by opposition, I have answers for it that they could never account for. Oh, you think it's because of hypergamy or because women are capricious or dishonest? Hmm, let's talk about that. And then you can go over like a million billion possible alternate explanations, you know? That's the hope. Sure. I understand. I will say if somebody brings that up, I freeze up because I'm like, this person's a physical threat to, <laughs> you know, me and my friends and family. Um, right. Well, I do my work online. So, but no, for sure. Yeah. People like that. anyone who would bring shit like that up in person are fucking lunatics anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, and 
again, not to put words in your mouth. So you're saying that when you uh, you say something that's validating to, um, it's like you're saying 1350. That's how you imagine the analogy. My my strategy is to never never attempt to win out over a reactionary's argument by pretending the truthful things they say aren't true. The 1350 isn't false. Again, it's complicated, but it's more or less true. What's false is the implication. So you fight the implication, not the truth. If men are lonely, or if men have trouble with women's behavior or with having sex or whatever, don't fight the fact. The fact is true. You'll just look delusional if you fight the fact. Fight the implication. Okay, sure, men are lonelier. So why do you think that is? And they'll tell you something about like the red pill or blah, blah, you know, but you can give a better answer. Because you and I are leftists, you know, we have the distinct advantage of being right, which really helps out with the arguments. We shouldn't shirk that advantage by refusing to engage with them. We should take advantage of it. Yeah, I do think you're being a little bit flippant with language because saying something like men are lonelier, I mean, I think that's that's questionable. Just like saying 1350 is true, I think that's questionable. I mean, definitely on just like a measurement level, you can see, just depending on how you define crime, it totally changes the question but sure uh, i understand what you're trying to do and i'm not going to critique you for trying to move people towards the left if that's your ultimate goal i would just yeah i think if uh, based on the way we're talking right now i think you at least understand what i've tried to communicate and that's probably good do you do you think maybe not what i do necessarily but do you think that the um the strategies that i prefer are, are valuable? I mean, do you understand the benefit of, of being willing to sort of directly engage with this rather than being um, uncomfortable with the um, the line of inquiry to begin with? Um, in my personal life, the way that I've moved people from the very far right to the left or at least middle is to show them how they're being lied to. And I've never had another strategy work besides that. I've tried other things. I've tried to like, you know, be shocking, try to be really sympathetic, try to whatever. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I think especially online and this is, you know, I'm just not sure. I'm not trying to claim one thing or another, but I don't know if people, I would question whether people listen past the initial validation. That would be that would be my biggest critique, and I guess it's just a point to investigate. I think a lot of, you know, oftentimes racists who present arguments like that are doing so disingenuously, but I think a lot of men really are just kind of desperate for answers, you know? It's not like being a part of the right makes them any happier, you know? Incels aren't happy. They aren't having fun. They're not, they're not enjoying their station in life, um, for the most part, I think. Um, I think. I think they're just kind of looking for a path forward and it's it's our responsibility to do so if we care about gendered issues because in a world full of lonely men far-right movements are always going to be prominent unfortunately they seem to gravitate towards those yeah well they give them easy answers i i think is a lot of it um i think i was a person who having grown up in like southern indiana and stuff i think i grew up with like a pretty misogynistic point of view and frame of reference so I get it 100% uh, too, why they gravitate towards those answers. It's because what's the answers that are being given to them? Yeah, uh, we have to um, we have to make an effort to give them something better. 
Anyway, I feel like, um, I feel like we've well explored that topic. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, there was, this is another thing, and I partnered them together in the email, um, but if you're not in the mood, I totally get it, because we've talked for a little bit, and you might be getting tired, but, um, there's, there was a, there was a video from Democracy Now! with an interview of Noam Chomsky that, uh, I think had sort of, maybe you'd question the quality of it, and you specifically asked about, um, in the video, it's hard to explain unless you remember making the video, but you're you were basically questioning why Noam Chomsky wanted to take a path of diplomacy with Russia, and I'm I'm much more poorly versed in international events than like scientific, so I can't really speak to everything that Noam Chomsky thinks, but I think you're just missing a small part of the conversation, which is that um, the United States, the the top brass and the upper echelons of our foreign state department, they are definitely interested in using the conflict in Ukraine as a proxy war to weaken Russia. And uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has, has said as much out loud. Um, and I think there are a lot of people in the military industrial complex who would be happy for that war to go on as long as possible um and that we as leftists should want to avoid that situation yeah that's why i'm in support of giving ukraine lots of big weapons so they can end the conflict quickly i think that's a fine perspective but i think the the thing that i think some leftists are trying to communicate and i'm not talking about the people who are campus who are like america's bad so anything that's not america is good that's definitely an attitude you see around that's stupid and ignorant but there i think we as leftists should maybe just take like a little bit more long view of what ending the conflict means because if ukraine wins quickly or even within the next couple of years, that's great because Russia is like a, basically a, a fascist authoritarian state in a lot of ways. But we maybe would want to ask ourselves, okay, like when do we start putting pressure on our local politicians to stop providing aid to Ukraine or make it conditional if we think that it's just turning into kind of like an endless conflict? Well, isn't us providing them aid the thing that makes it less of an endless conflict? Because I don't just want it to end, I want Ukraine to win. So the more weaponry we give to Ukraine, the faster it'll end, and the more moral the end will be, right? Um, so, I'm, I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm relatively um, hawkish on this, I think. It's because I, I, I am fully pro-war on Ukraine's side here. I want them to win, you know? I, I, don't, I don't just want the conflict to end. I want them to retake that territory. Um, but the way things are going for Russia, it's, it's possible it's not going to drag out for too long. Which would, Maybe. Be a, which would be a dream. I, I know, I know. It can go a lot of ways. Um, but that's that's a hope, you know? I do I do hope for that. I understand that hope 100%. I just think that other people's perspective is, uh, and maybe maybe that quote from Lloyd Austin maybe makes other people's perspective a little bit more obvious to you, is that there are definitely people, especially arms dealers and people in the State Department, who view this as a great opportunity to sell weapons and have a very extended conflict 
and they want to cynically use both the Russian and Ukrainian people. Because I think the truth is the Ukrainian people and the Russian people don't want to be killing each other. This is really, you know, it's like Putin's war. The, the, a lot of the soldiers are being conscripted at this point. They don't really have a choice. And the ones that are doing it voluntarily, they're probably propagandized to the point where they don't really understand what's going on in the world. Yeah, sure. So, oh, I also okay. want Ukraine to win. You know, I, I don't disagree. I, while I do support uh, Ukrainian military victories, and that often includes the death of Russian soldiers, that's kind of how war works, unfortunately. Um, you know, I, this isn't borne out in any kind of grudge against Russia. I think it's geopolitically advantageous for the United States that Russia loses. The, the big thing that the, you know, the State Department ghosty fucks could really do to, um, to uh, pro prolong the war, I think, would be to start cutting aid to Ukraine, um, because that would, that would draw out the conflict even longer. That would weaken Russia more in the long term, maybe, as opposed to like a snap, you know, the real shock doctrine, where they lose the war quickly this time, um, which, which is how I, I hope, you know, but I, but I would oppose that heavily, of course. Um, it's, I think it's, it's absolutely vital that Russia loses quickly and overwhelmingly because it increases the likelihood of um, Putin being ousted. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. I think you, you get it. I think just me as like a lay person looking at war, um, the reason I gravitate towards viewpoints like Chomsky is that I'm a little skeptical of the State Department's claims of Ukrainian victory. And I just want to see in the conversation people saying things like um but of course if a diplomatic solution presents itself we'll pursue it you know immediately well, or russia is the only one that can really do diplomacy here right i mean they're the i agree ones i agree because it's a it's a war of aggression um but i've heard zelensky say things that you know and i think he said these like in impassioned ways like we're not going to stop until uh, you know, Putin is removed from power, um, which is, I understand why he feels that way. And I, there's no way I can put myself in the position of somebody who's having, you know, their loved ones literally killed on a battlefront. Um, not trying to, to project out into the situation like that at all. I'm just trying to say like, from the perspective of an American, that makes me, um, a little bit nervous because. I would hope that the American State Department uses leverage in that it's it's providing these weapons to say, look, you know, if you guys get your territory back and Putin's still in power, you know, maybe maybe let's stop using language like that and try to bring an end to the conflict at this point. I get you that. know what I mean? I think it's acceptable for a person whose country was invaded under, you know, under terms like this to be pretty... Um, gung-ho with with the opposition language right i mean you know it's like Churchill's, oh yeah, yeah. We'll fight i don't want to we'll fight them and the so on um yeah yeah, yeah. i so i, I want to be clear like th there are certainly limits to my support for example if Zelensky crossed troops into russia's borders i would immediately and instantaneously be like v incredibly opposed to literally any kind of support for ukraine um i don't i don't think there's any there's there's no future down the line where that ends up being like a good thing you know this isn't a, a war of, of, of vindictiveness um in in the meantime though you know i mean the ultimate arbiter of, of peace here will always be russia but russia clearly can't it, it, it won't you know it's been too um it's so committed to this I, I don't think russia can back down at this point so um yeah i think from my lay understanding that's uh 
too tied up in their their authoritarian functioning as a state. Oh yeah, so they are they one hundred percent of the chips have been sunk in. You know, I'm just hoping that um, Putin does something wacky enough that one of his uh, you know one of his guys ends up uh, knocking him off a window um, before he like uh, presses the big red button. You know, that's the idea. Yeah, I only hope. Yeah, yeah, I get that one hundred percent. All right, great. Well, I hope this felt like a productive use of time, and it, it seems like we understand each other pretty well on that point. I enjoyed the conversation very much. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Have a good one. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.